0: A reading from the book of Galatians. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse as we have already said so now i say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted let them be under god's curse now i am trying to now am i now trying to win the approval of human beings or of god or am i trying to please people if i were trying to please people i would not be a servant of christ the word of the lord
1: Good morning. For those who are visiting, my name is Paul. I am the senior pastor here. It's a joy to worship with you on this beautiful January morning. Before we uh, look at God's word together, would you bow your heads with me as I begin with a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's message is titled, Grace, Beginning to End. And I'd like to begin by asking you this question. Have you ever been hopeless and lost? In an article titled, Fiona, the lonely sheep rescued from the bottom of Scottish Cliff after two years of solitude. Journalist Gabrielle Roxen penned the following back in November. An animal described as the loneliest sheep in Brit- Britain has been rescued. According to the BBC, the sheep named Fiona, pictured here, was rescued on Saturday after being stranded at the foot of a cliff in Scotland for over two years. Here's how the whole saga unfolded. Last October, kayaker Jillian Turner saw Fiona, who was pictured with a large fleece on the shores of Camardie Firth in the Scottish Highlands. This occurred approximately two years after Miss Turner first saw the sheep in the same general location and assumed the animal could climb to safety herself, only... Now the world knows that that assumption was false. Quote, about half a mile before turning into Cromarty Firth, we spotted a sheep on a shingle beach at the bottom of some steep rocky coastline, Ms. Turner told the Northern Times. She was coming up and was calling to us along the length of the beach, following our progress until she could go no further. She finally turned back looking Defeated, end quote. Sad, right? Here's a picture of that very encounter. If you look closely, you'll see Fiona in the middle of the frame. Well, friends, news of the lost sheep got out. And listen, over 50,000 people signed a petition fighting for Fiona's rescue on change.org. 50,000 people. However, according to CBC Radio, Fiona's owner, the Coast Guard, and the Scottish Society for the Prevention of Animal Cruelty to Animals hesitated, over-performing a rescue operation, believing Fiona's position was too dangerous to reach. Despite this, listen, one fellowship, despite this, a group of five farmers consisting of YouTuber Grammy Parker, James Parker, Cammie Wilson, Al's cousins, And Allie Williamson decided to devise a plan to rescue Fiona. Mr. Wilson told Sky News that after hearing of the sheep's story, he went, in fact, to the owner wanting to learn about a possible rescue and was told it was a risk to life, too dangerous. However, Mr. Wilson thought to himself, what crazy people do I know that would come and take a little risk with me? The article continues, the five farmers ultimately used an all-terrain vehicle, which in the United States we call a four-wheeler. They used an all-terrain vehicle with a winch attached to it to lower themselves down the cliff, a journey reportedly of over 3,781 feet to bring them back up with the sheep. Quote, we weren't exactly sure what we were going to find when we got there, said Parker. All we had to go on was drone footage. And when we got there, sure enough, Fiona was right in the middle of the cave in this little patch of sunlight that was come a, coming through a craggy hole in the ceiling of the cave. And that, friends, is how Fiona, the loneliest sheep in Britain, was rescued. What a story, right? Uh, perhaps ben best, excuse me, ben best, the farmer who's now taking care of Fiona, at his farm said it best. Quote, the world's loneliest sheep is lonely no more. I love that. The world's lonely sheep is lonely no more. So bringing this back into our lives, have you ever found yourself lonely and perhaps hopeless and lost before? Over the coming months, as Drew shared, we're going to be diving into the book of Galatians, a rich, very dynamic New Testament book. And guess what? Front and center, right out of the gate today, we'll find this word, rescue. This notion of rescue, that no, in and of ourselves, we're not okay, and subsequently, we'll be introduced to a word, or perhaps reminded of a word, uh, the most famous word, I would argue, in all of the Bible, and it's this word, grace. Grace. Grace, our need for grace. God's unmerited favor, kindness, his love, and how grace changes everything. So who's ready to dive into our new series today? Give me a head nod, thumbs up. I know I am. We could all use a little grace, amen? So with that, the big idea we're gonna be seeing and exploring on this first day of our new series is this. The grace of Jesus not only rescues us from sin, the grace of Jesus rescues us from the toxic pull to please others. The grace of Jesus not only rescues us from sin, it also rescues us from the toxic pull to please others. And we're going to look at this truth through two points. Point one, faith always begins and ends with grace. And point two, faith lives not with pressure, but with peace. So let's dive into God's word together. Frankie, point one, faith always begins and ends with grace. Beginning with verse 1, we read, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor from a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So first, Emily, some background information on our text or our book. This book, Galatians, it was written by Paul. Not this Paul, but the Apostle Paul. Some would argue that the Apostle Paul is the most significant missionary in the history of Christianity. You see, Paul had converted to Christianity after being a highly educated highly trained, high-ranking Jewish leader whose job it ironically was to first stop the way or stop Christianity by persecuting the early church. And yet, he met Jesus, uh, post-resurrection Jesus, on the road to Damascus, and everything changed for him. We read of this in Acts chapter 9. And from that encounter, Paul had done a 180 with his life, not only becoming A believer, a follower of Jesus, but also being appointed one of the apostles in in tandem with the other 12 apostles to establish the early church and share the good news of Jesus, forgiveness of sins, and new life in him. Thus, Paul actually is the author of many of our New Testament books. So why did Paul write this particular book or letter known as Galatians? Well, in the 30-some-odd years of his pastoral work, That is, before he was in prison in Rome, Paul had taken three different missionary journeys throughout the Middle East and the southern parts of Europe, sharing the good news. And he'd seen a lot of new life in Jesus through individual conversions. But listen, he also saw a lot of new churches planted through his work. In fact, some theologians, some leaders might argue, such as Tim Keller, that the real heartbeat behind Paul was church-planting. And now here's why or excuse me here's where this particular letter comes in. You see once once a church was established by Paul and leadership was uh, put into place, he would move on to the next community he was seeking to reach. But he wouldn't abandon these churches. No, like any good dad would do or any good follow, spiritual father would do, he would continue to reach out to and guide his kids, these churches through what? Through letters. And that's how we got Galatians. See, Galatians, simply put, is a letter written by a spiritual father to his spiritual sons and daughters. And it's written to the church or churches in Galatia, and it's written in love. In fact, historians believe that this might have, in fact, been Paul's first letter ever written to a church. So you can see the, the heartbeat behind all of this. I find all this information, this background um, data helpful. however, as we read today, as Austin read, you may have picked up on this. this letter is direct. Some would argue it's actually harsh right out of the gate. It packs a punch. It packs a warning. Why? Well we'll get to that in just a minute. Let me share another story. Here it is. At last week, Carly and I went on our, our third annual marriage retreat. We did. It's not a formal retreat, we didn't go on a formal marriage retreat, but the last three years, at the beginning of every year, we've set aside a few days to get away, to process where we are as a couple and as a family, and where we'd like to go. And we pray together, and we have fun together. And uh, as the saying goes, time is oxygen for relationships, so you want to invest time into your most meaningful relationships. So that's how we've started to uh, begin our years. And uh, we did that last week, and it was very life-giving, except this. What wasn't life-giving was almost seeing two sets of dads and their kids run over by a pickup truck. That was not life-giving. Sorry to be so blunt, uh, but we witnessed two sets of dads and two sets of kids almost get uh, run over by a pickup truck. Here's how it went down. We're standing at this corner in Highlands, North Carolina. It's freezing outside. It was freezing out there. Uh, last week, And these two dudes began crossing the street, not looking at the, the signals or, or the signs uh, with two dogs and um, ignoring everything and everyone around them seemingly. And we're looking at each other like, what, what's going on here? Next, we heard these kids fighting behind these dads about 20 to 30 feet back. And we, we don't know what they're fighting about, but these were little, little kids in some parking lot and they had to be around four to six years old. From there, one of the guides in the middle of the intersection with his dogs turned and started screaming at the kids, and they responded by running, um, again, not paying paying attention to their surroundings. They began running to and then through the intersection, okay? Uh, Last but not least, as if all that wasn't enough, picture this with me, church. Lastly, one of the kids, as the kid began running, dropped an open plate of food right in the middle of the intersection, and the other kids um, just looked at this little girl, laughed and, and they kept running and they also had open plates of food. And um, we were so confused. We were, we were baffled. And why did they have open plates of food? We have no idea. To this day, we have no idea why they had open plates of food. Why did these dads ignore the traffic uh, lights and signals? We, we have no idea. We were standing there looking for our little green guy to appear. So after watching all this, I turned to Carly and I said, "What is going on here?" "What is going on here?" And listen, church, here's what she said. She looked at me very seriously and she goes, "This is why mothers matter." <laughs> Paul, this this is where mothers matter. Thankfully, all the dads and kids made it to safety across that intersection last week. No one was hit by a truck as a truck came barreling towards them, but they did look a little embarrassed and disheveled. So, returning to our passage, why do I share such a story? Because here's why attentive, good parenting matters. Attentive, active, good parenting matters. And listen, Good parents guide their kids. They lead their kids with wisdom and strength and love. And yes, sometimes words of warning. It's true, kids. Beckett, it's true. When you get the hammer, it's done out of love. Sometimes it requires words of warning. And that's what we see here as we open the book of Galatians. After reminding the Galatians of his authority and his affection for them, The Apostle Paul says to these young believers, grace and peace to you from God our Father, again, our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want us to note something right out of the gate, church. Paul reminds these young believers that their shared faith all stems from one place, one word, one gift, and that's what? Grace. Grace. Their shared grace in Jesus. As defined by the late John Stott, grace is God's free favor. That's a British spelling, by the way, irrespective of any human merit or works. His loving kindness to the undeserving, grace. And that is where Paul starts this letter. In fact, Paul not only starts Galatians with the word grace, he ends the letter with the word grace. Check it out. Galatians 6 verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Grace. Moreover, listen. Listen. More than any other New Testament writer in truth, more than all the other New Testament writers combined, Paul uses this word grace. And he uses it over 100 times. Grace. This according to the research of the late Leon Morris. Thus for Paul, the gospel or good news of Jesus, it's all about what? Grace. Grace. Faith always begins and, friends, it ends, Vicki, with grace. Grace. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast, he'd later write to the Ephesians. So what does this mean? It means this. It means there's absolutely nothing we have done to earn God's favor. And there's nothing we can do to lose God's favor. Grace. Absolutely nothing. You see, friends, grace. God's grace is unconditional, undeserved unrivaled and unending grace. Meaning today, at this very moment, you were loved. You were cared for. And you and I, we've been rescued to use Paul's language not based on our brilliance, our accomplishments, our race, age, title, country of origin, education, or anything else we might wanna put on our resume or social media pages, grace, grace. We've been rescued solely and fully by the grace of Jesus. And guess what, friends? This is good news. This is the gospel. And Paul says, don't miss it. This is what Paul reminds the Galatians of right out of the gate, and it's what we need to be reminded of as we begin 2024 together, grace. Parker, it means your overall well-being depends this year not on your grit, but on Jesus' grace Jen, it means your overall well-being this year depends not on your grit, but his grace. Friends, listen, your overall well-being depends not on your grit, but on Christ's grace. What good news, amen? amen? Faith always begins and it ends with what? Grace. Point two, faith lives not with pressure, but with Peace. They're excited in the back. (laughs) Little charismatics back there. Faith lives not with pressure, but with peace. Another story. Uh, There was a problem. One Fellowship, there was a problem. Listen, as shared by Lighty Klotz in his book, Subtract, The Untapped Science of Less, Klotz was playing Legos with his three-year-old son, Ezra, when the two encountered a Problem. Together they had built a bridge, but the support towers they had constructed were uneven. So the dad and son couldn't correctly connect the span, right? The father understandably went to look for another Lego brick in an attempt to solve the problem. However, while he was searching, his three-year-old son simply removed a brick from one of the towers, surprisingly making the bridge even. It's at this point, that it occurred to Klotz, a professor at UVA, University of Virginia, that his natural impulse had been to add something in an attempt to fix the problem versus his child's act of simply subtracting something. Subsequently, the professor went on to carry on a number of studies and Klotz went on to validate the reality that most people, meaning most of us in here today and joining us online, most of us naturally start with adding something in our attempt to solve whatever problem we come across versus subtracting like his son had done. To use the professor's own words, quote, in our striving to improve our lives, our work, and our society, we overwhelmingly add. In our striving to improve our lives, our work, and our society, we overwhelmingly add. That's interesting, Right? We're addicted to adding to make things right. Might this tendency play into how we view our relationship with God sometimes? You bet. Picking up at verse 6, we read, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. You're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all, Paul writes. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion And are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so I'll say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people... I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, it turns out one fellowship that this addiction to adding isn't just a new phenomenon. So what is Paul referencing here in Galatians 1? Well, apparently following his departure from these churches, other people or teachers, so to speak, had made their way into this area and informed these young believers That for them to be true believers, they needed to add to their faith. Specifically, they said, you need to become Jewish before becoming Christians. And they were referencing circumcision and the outward ceremonies of the Mosaic law. If you really believe Jesus and you really want to be a true follower, you have to do these things. And guess what? This fired the Apostle Paul up. It fired him up. Again, he's coming from a high-ranking Jewish background. If you're interested in learning more about this encounter, this drama, it's captured actually in another work in the New Testament, Acts chapter 15. For now, church, here's what we need to understand. Here it is. According to Paul, as well as the rest of the New Testament witness, the grace of Jesus can never be removed, replaced, or re- replenished by what we do or say. The grace of Jesus Uh, can never be removed, replaced, or replenished by what we do or say. 1 Peter 3 attests to this. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. To bring you safely home to God. That's the heartbeat here, and that's the gospel. What good news, right? Right? And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, verse 6. Oh, again, what, grace, what great news and what grace, what security we have in Jesus. You see, faith then allows us to live not with pressure, but with peace. And so, friends, bringing this back into the room, let me just say, Jesus came to bring you peace. He came to bring you shalom. He came to make you right with God, not through the giving of your life, but the giving of his life. You get it? The question is, do you believe that? Or do you live for something or someone else today? Paul would tell you, as we start this new year, don't miss it. Matthew, don't miss it. Brandon, don't miss it. Don't miss it, church. Every single inch of your faith and our faith begins and ends with grace. We cannot add to it. And guess what, church? When we get this, when it really sinks in through our head and into our hearts, we no longer have to do a dog and pony show trying to please or impress others. Not at all. We can humbly yet firmly stand on God's grace and on his word together. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What the apostle is saying is it's not possible. It's incompatible to seek the approval of people and rest in the approval of God. It's incompatible, incompatible. It's not possible. It's contrary to go, to the gospel. It's contrary to grace. And joy. And in peace, we're to live for an audience of one, grace. So as we enter this new year together, this new series, in closing, I'd like to share the words. I'm not gonna sing it, Kathy. We're not gonna sing it. I wanna share the words of an old hymn. It's titled, I'd Rather Have Jesus. I'd Rather Have Jesus. It was written in 1922 by Rhea Miller. Here it is. I'd rather have Jesus... Than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. One fellowship, the grace of Jesus not only rescues us from sin, the grace of Jesus rescues us from the toxic pull to always please others. That's the invitation for all of us to rest in that truth today. And as we look at the new year, that our year, our years would begin with grace. And next December, you'd say, Paul, my year's ending with grace. Amen.